It is always uh, good to be here with you and uh, appreciate the opportunity. I thought maybe I'd give a <coughs> short five-minute update, and probably that's all you're wanting anyway. But, uh, but Chris asked me to extend it a little bit. So, it's, you know, it's great, the connections, isn't it, uh, within the family of God. And uh, last time I was here, I talked about connections with Chris and Angie, but uh, Bob and Sharon here, uh, we, we go back so far, I think uh, I first met Bob and Pat when I was in grade four, because um, uh, they were great friends of my mom and dad's and, and followed uh, in their ministry in Grand Prairie. So ever since then, uh, we've been friends. Bob and I have worked together on a building at Pine Lake Camp and... Uh, been together double VM and uh, on and on it goes. And, and Sharon, uh, when my dad was the pastor in Edmonton at KEP, uh, we used to come out here to camp. And uh, actually, I was trying to think, Sharon, the first time I met you, were we in Outlook? Did you come to Outlook with that group? No, you didn't. Okay, so, but before she and Gordon were married, I knew both of them. And uh, so long, long time connections. And uh, that's why one of the reasons why it's so great to come and uh, be able to share a little bit with you. Let me first of all give a little bit of a broad uh, picture of Lifeline and what's going on with Lifeline. Some of you know about Lifeline, others of you have never heard of it. But Lifeline is a mission organization working primarily in the Caribbean and Central America. And Lifeline uh, is working with uh, churches and church leaders in Cuba, in Haiti, in Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, Panama, Ecuador. And uh, our, our primary um, methodology is to build uh, networks of churches and work with the church leaders. And in some countries, we have schools. In fact, um, we have seven, uh, 17, 16 schools across uh, Central America with uh, about 4,800 students. Uh, that Lifeline works with, um, 159 churches and house churches that we're connected to. Uh, we we do uh, leadership seminars, and uh, the past year, something like 350 participants in those leadership seminars. Uh, we've been um, running a Bible institute in various different countries to train leaders we're in the midst of kind of refining that and centralizing it primarily to Honduras, where which will it'll be a little bit more like a Bible college in Honduras, where leaders will come from the various countries and live for a year or two, take training, prepare them for leading churches across the country. So uh, that's just a little bit of the organization. Our U.S. head office is in Columbus. Ohio, and then here in Canada, we have an office in Calgary. There are presently two of us in, in Canada who are working. Lifeline's only been in Canada for the last five years, and two of us have been working um, for Lifeline the last three years, and then we have another young lady coming to be part of that in March, and Kathy will join Colin and I, and there'll be three of us uh, overseeing the work in Canada. Let me uh, now sharpen the focus a little bit to Haiti because that's where your uh, uh, connection comes through Heart for Home and RICO. And we uh, <clears throat> merged Heart for Home into Lifeline uh, this past year. 
And uh, some of you were aware of that. We were here at the fundraiser that you had here in Clyde last year. And uh, I know Rico is planning to be back. I think I'm going to be in Panama at that time and unable to be with you. But Rico and Mandy will be here. Um, Haiti, such a mess. So broken. Uh, The last trip to Haiti that I was involved in was last May. Uh, to Port Salut with uh, Ryan and Jacob uh, from Vernon Church. We went down there to begin construction on the the new house that is to house Rico and Mandy, their family, and others uh, who come to work with them or perhaps students. Rico was going to meet us down there. Uh, he was on a different flight than we were. But just a little aside about mission trips. You know, mission trips are great adventures that uh, we go on with God, and all kinds of things happen that are completely out of our control and out of our comfort zone, and that's what makes mission trips so special. Um, A little bit like the song about broken vessels, it's the opportunity for God and his power to kind of shine through in the midst of our broken plans. So uh, uh, Jacob and Ryan and I were all heading out of Calgary, uh, Barb had uh, dropped off a, a volleyball, outdoor volleyball uh, set that Rico had requested and she had secured and was kind enough to even send some money in case we had to pay for that. So uh, we were flying United. We get uh, Because we were under a mission organization, we get to take uh, one free bag of luggage and, and an extra free bag. So I, I was loaded with... Uh, a bag of soccer stuff that someone had sent and and uh, this volleyball net that was six foot long in a canvas container and my own luggage. And uh, Ryan and Jacob had all this uh, construction equipment and tools in their bags. We, we got to uh, the airport. A friend of mine dropped me off at about 4.30 in the morning. And uh, we, we checked in. And when I got to the check-in, they said to me... Uh, Sorry, just one bag. I said, uh, I thought we were allowed to bring an extra bag. Well, uh, Haiti is now an embargo country. You're not allowed to bring an extra bag. Well, uh, what am I going to do with this volleyball? <laughs> I don't know. She says, that's your problem. You need to read the fine print. Well, my, my ride had left, and um, and you can't just stick the volleyball net in the corner of the airport and hope it's there a week later when you come home. Uh, the, the, the lo- they do have some kind of a locker set up, but it doesn't open until 6 o'clock and our flight left had to load before that. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck and I, I can't get a hold of my friend who dropped me off because I didn't have his cell number. And uh, so I tried calling Deb at home and for some reason uh, the phone at home kept going to answering just because she was sleeping, I think. But uh, anyway... Uh, I, I was stuck, and so in Calgary's airport, even at that time of the morning, they have these white hat guys, you know, that uh, are supposed to be <coughs> greeting and welcoming people and making everybody feel well. So I, I went to him, and I was asking about what I could do, and is there a place I could leave this, and no, not till 6 o'clock, and finally he says, where do you live? So I, I told him where we lived, and he says, oh, I live in the community next to you. Why don't you just leave it with me and give me your wife's phone number, and I'll get a hold of her, and I'll drop it off. So that that solved that problem. We got on the plane. What we didn't know is that um, 
the uh, batteries for the uh, equipment that Ryan and Jacob were taking needed to be in the carry-on, not the checked luggage. That doesn't make sense, but that's what it was. So they uh, checked the baggage evidently somewhere along the way and removed the batteries and uh, kept them at the Calgary airport. We didn't know that till we got uh, to uh, Haiti. So, that, you know, another uh, obstacle in the course of it all. And then there was Rico, of course, who was going to meet us there, but he got um, stuck in Miami, could not get a flight uh, through to connect with us. In fact, could not get a flight to get to Haiti and back again in time to be back for work because he was kind of on a short three-day turnaround. <clears throat> so he spent uh, three days, two days in Miami with one of his brothers and never did get to Haiti to join us. Uh, those are just some of the obstacles. Then, then when we, we got to Haiti, and um, so how many of you have been down to Hartford Holmes campus there? So a few of you have. You'll remember that uh, what used to be the, uh, the temporary church building got turned into a kind of construction warehouse, and that there is this um, uh, cement culvert, yeah, for lack of a better word, over which there is a bridge. So, uh, the Clyde Canal. So some of you helped build that, right. So uh, th there's this bridge that goes across that Clyde Canal to the warehouse, and that bridge had been uh, weathered badly. And uh, it was uh, the, the, the decking was deteriorating, the handrail was uh, wobbly. And so I said, you know, I, I don't know anything about putting footings in, which is what Ryan and Jacob are going to do, but I know that there's going to be a lot of concrete hauled across this bridge to store in that warehouse and rebar, and we have to fix this bridge. So a couple of us went to work on that, and we were only like 10 minutes working on it when all of a sudden I went through it. Boom. Just And uh, fortunately, I, I didn't go all the way through and land in the concrete, I, but I did end up hanging upside down by my knees, uh, and nothing got broken. I lost quite a bit of skin on both shins, but uh, yeah, just you know, mission adventures. Mission trips, and, and uh, God comes through, and uh, all kinds of good things happen. So if any of you are interested in a mission trip, uh, Lifeline can hook you up, and you can go to Port Salou, or you could go to Honduras, or you could go to El Salvador or Panama. Any of those places, we'll be glad to uh, have you join us, so let me know. Yeah, yeah, wear your shin guards. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Haiti. Uh, <clears throat> there hasn't been a lot on the news most of you probably know that uh, this last year has been just a disaster in Haiti, and Lifeline has pretty much suspended all of our work in Haiti. Um, the, the, the only one uh, Caucasian couple who work for Lifeline that live there uh, have not, only, only recently, two weeks ago, went back to Haiti since July. Uh, pretty much all the mission agencies have extracted their expat workers uh, from Haiti. The reason is um, protests and the breakdown of, of the society uh, over, it's very complicated. Rico, I keep learning more and more from Rico as I travel around with him, but um, the country of Haiti is exploited not, from, not, not, not only from the outside, but from the inside. And there are four or five families that pretty much own Haiti. And when the government isn't, doing what they want them to do. Then they hire protesters and they protest against the government until the government steps down. 
And then during the interim period, they snatch up as much as they can and add to their uh, already exploitive pursuits within the country. For instance, one, one family, a Lebanese family, owns all of the power grid in Haiti, which means the country pays that family $12 million a month for a power grid that only works part of the time. One family owns all the ports. They get a piece of the action, money, from everything that comes and goes through airport, seaports, etc. So a very uh, weak, unstable government. Uh, in this particular case this year, uh, the government refused to step down and protests got worse. Uh, children have not gone to school until uh, this last month. So they, they run the same school program that we do. Should have started in September. And kids have not gone to school until just this last month. Uh, police stations were burned down. Gov any government offices were threatened. Um, the government did not meet. Uh, transportation in the country is bad at the best of times. And during these protests, roads were closed. Bridges were welded shut. And so the economy of Haiti pretty much came to a standstill. And the economy is never good there anyway. So you understand that uh, Rico says this is the worst it's been in Haiti ever in his memory. Um, we have not been able to do any uh, work on the house construction in Port Salou since that trip in May. Footings were put in. And uh, the plan was to follow that up and begin, get things, the foundation laid and some of the plumbing and whatnot, and then have local laborers uh, get to work on laying the block. But none of that has been able to be done. We're hoping that in April we'll have a team there. Ryan's planning to go back, and one of Lifeline's uh, construction foremen will be there. And we're hoping that that can be picked up and continue. Now, you have a couple pictures of um, some of the work. This is uh, just breaking ground for the house. And uh, we were able to contract with this uh, backhoe operator, which is a good thing because what you discover when he starts to dig is that, that, that Haiti is it's all lava. And so big chunks of lava had to be pulled out of this area and the land level. Here's, a, here's the rebar arriving. And uh, that's just how they drive down the road, uh, dragging the rebar behind them um, and uh, unloading it here for uh, use in the footings. Now, there's the footings, um, not quite completed, but at least framed in, and uh, they were poured and whatnot. There may be one more. Here's some of the local guys. Uh, it, you know, when they know that there's work, they show up. There was probably 50 guys there the first day we arrived because they heard we were going to be starting construction. And so one of the local guys is tasked with culling it down to the number of workers that we can actually use and who, who we want to pay. And then he oversees their work and pays them at the end of every day. But uh, these guys can work. There's no doubt about it. All right. So, again, uh, lawlessness has, uh, even though things have kind of stabilized in the last month, um, I, there were reports of uh, people setting up uh, roadblocks and then robbing everybody that they can stop and then taking off before the police can arrive. And uh, uh, Rico's brother uh, was shot uh, there in Port-au-Prince 
Uh, Deb was actually doing a meal pack in Calgary with her clients. Rico was there to, to, to kind of share a little bit about Haiti when he got word that his brother had been shot. Uh, fortunately, he's, uh, he's recovering and had a number of surgeries because of um, the extent of the injuries, but looks like he's going to be okay. But that's the kind of thing that's going on all the time, and that's why um, you know we just canceled all mission trips and all all, all of our work. Now the, the report we've gotten back, uh, just since uh, Brad has gone back into the country two weeks ago, is that the local pastors have done an amazing job uh, working uh, with the people, uh, maintaining uh, their congregations, and uh, there's actually been, in his estimation, some real spiritual growth. That's happened during this time. So that's God working in the midst of these difficult, adverse circumstances. Um, it reminds me a little bit of um, Israel during some of their, um, their times. And I wanted to read a little bit from Zechariah chapter 8, uh, beginning at verse 4, and then reading uh, a few verses uh, following. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem's streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. This is what the Lord of the heaven's armies say. All this may seem impossible to you now. A small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me, says the Lord of heaven's armies, This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Be strong and finish the task. Ever since the laying of the foundation of the temple of the Lord of Heaven's armies, you have heard what the prophets have been saying about completing the building. Before the work on the temple began, there were no jobs and no money to hire people or animals. No traveler was safe from the enemy, for there were enemies on all sides. I had turned everyone against each other. But now I will not treat the remnant of my people as I treated them before, says the Lord of heaven's armies. For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crops and the heavens will release the dew. Once more, I will cause the remnant in Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. Among the other nations, Judah and Israel became symbols of a cursed nation, but no longer. Now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. Be strong and get on with rebuilding the temple. I I thought to myself that there were a lot of similarities between uh, God's words through Zechariah to the people of uh, Israel and, uh, and to Haiti and to those who support the Heart for Home vision. How important it is that we finish the task and um, that we press on despite the difficulties and, and believing not so much that we are able, but that God is able. There's, um, there's one thing you notice when you uh, drive around Haiti anywhere, and that that's that there are lots and lots of unfinished projects. You'll see whole compounds that are half built, houses that have the footings with the rebar sticking out and that 
been standing there forever, weeds and grass and everything have grown up over it. Um, I, I don't think that's the vision we have for Heart for Home. I know that's not the vision Lifeline has for it. And um, I know Rico and Mandy are very determined to return to Haiti by the end of this year. And they know that the chances of us having the house finished by then are pretty slim. But um, Rico says, uh, we'll go back. We'll rent a house if we have to. If the family can't be accommodated, I'll go back and make trips back and forth until we can move there. Uh, Rico and Mandy are very determined to see the vision carried on. Lifeline is very committed. We have uh, two current um, campuses in Haiti. Port Salou is our third one, Heart for Home. And uh, there's a network of churches already that are growing, and they're, they're hungry for leadership and for uh, being kind of united to the whole Lifeline ministry. So it's important that, um, that we continue. And, and the supporters, like yourselves, faithful, um, got a fundraiser already planned, I understand, again for April. And uh, we're looking, looking forward to that. And together... Uh, we believe we can finish the task. And the house isn't the finishing of the task. There's much more to be done, but it's an important uh, component, particularly because we need Rico back there to direct the ministry and uh, to be the uh, caster of the vision and the one who helps put legs underneath it. So together, we need to uh, finish the task in conclusion, it reminds me, I think it's a really good analogy for our lives as well. Finish the task. You know, we catch a vision of what uh, the abundant life in Christ is. It captures our imagination. And we put our trust in Jesus. That's like getting the footings down, right? Pouring the foundation. Trusting in Christ. But then, as happens in all of our lives, Distractions come along. Doubts begin to uh, bubble up in our lives. Uh, there are delays to the uh, progress that we think should be happening in our maturity. Uh, there are attacks by the enemy. And those are as diverse as every individual and every situation. It's easy to, um, to lose heart get discouraged, to kind of abandon this project that we began with Jesus. And uh, that's, that's why we need each other. That's why this community is so important. Uh, we, we need to encourage each other and uh, confront one another on occasion and pray for each other. Uh, just like your supporters of the Heart for Home project, you are supporters of each other's project, the project to become like Jesus. We need to finish that task. We need to continue building our relationship with Jesus until our life ends or until he returns. Let me, um, let me just close with uh, some very familiar words to that effect from the writer of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, all those that have gone before, all those that are walking with us. Witnesses to this life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down. 
especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. And then you and I, we won't become weary and give up. After all, we have not yet given our lives in our struggle against sin. Allow me to pray for you as we... uh, conclude this morning. Father in heaven, uh, thank you for this uh, gathering of your family. Thank you for the children who are downstairs and are being nurtured to know you. Thank you for their faithful support of Rico and uh, his vision, the Heart for Home vision, and, and their financial support of that. And together, Father, today we pray, we pray for the, uh, the task to be finished, the task in our lives of becoming like Jesus, the, the task in this community of reaching out and sharing the good news and introducing men and women, boys and girls to Jesus, the task in the world that we get to be part of specifically Heart for Home and their ministry. We pray for Rico and Mandy. And we pray for the people of Haiti. We pray that that country would see stability, prosperity. Most of all, they would come to know you in a true and vital way. Would you do what we cannot do, Father, the impossible? Would you bring together those that are supporters uh, to finance, to pray for, to help work alongside and accomplish this vision? Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. That was on like 12 hours notice. That was so good. Thank you, Rick. Um, It's amazing how perfectly fitting that Zechariah passage is for Haiti. The, the building and the seeds growing and the, the people celebrating, like that was really, where'd you find that? Like, it's, it's like they, it's like God wrote that for Haiti. And uh, so Haiti is on our hearts and minds often. And uh, we're so thankful that there are good people who are um, taking charge of that work, yourself included, Rick and Debbie. Like he said, let's continue to complete the work, uh, not just in Haiti, but um, we mentioned Sunday school today. We've mentioned youth group today, um, Kennedy today. There's a lot of work in our community to be done, and uh, you are good people who are a joy to do the work with. So thank you. Um, I'm also going to pray. You get double prayer to close service. Um, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much again for Rick and Debbie being here and for the message of completing the work. And it's an honor and a privilege to join with the work being done in Haiti in particular. It's it's an honor to do your work even just in our families and with our neighbors and the the day-to-day work of being kind and compassionate and being good listeners and being empathetic and showing your love to the people around us. There's a lot of good work to be done. 
we are very broken vessels to do the work, but we thank you, Father, that you fill us with your love and your light and with your hope. We couldn't do this work uh, by ourselves, and we're not intended to do it by ourselves. So thank you for Rick and Debbie and their Rick's message to us this morning. We pray uh, fruitfulness on the work that they do, particularly with Lifeline, and safety on any future trips that they go on to Central America. What a blessing and a pleasure to, to serve with them. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Be strong and finish the task. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Well, uh, what am I going to do with this volleyball? <laughs>